0: glad you're here. I'm glad you're here this morning. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. So grateful that you've joined us on this particular Sunday. We are in our sermon series called My Church and I. The sermon series is designed to help us understand what's required out of us when we say yes to Jesus. If we said yes to Jesus, we've been redeemed, we've been cleansed by the blood, we have a responsibility as a part of his church. Last week, if you remember, we discussed the topic of leadership and how the congregation has a responsibility to uh, help the leadership. And in that message, we went through uh, several ways that the people of God can encourage their leaders. And and we had a line in there and we we celebrated as a church. We said healthy churches have healthy leaders. Y'all remember that? And and we celebrated the fact that Holland Chapel is a healthy church. I'm going to say that phrase again. Holland Chapel is a healthy church. Anybody agree with that statement? God has been so good to Holland Chapel. Large part, I believe, of the faithfulness of the saints. God's provision, but the faithfulness of you to lift up your pastors, to pray for us, to encourage us, to speak life into our lives. We, we desperately need your help. And, and, and last week was all about that. We, we need one another. We need one another. If we're going to have a healthy church, we, we, we need the support of the congregation that we pastor. I want to brag on you, church. You've done a wonderful job. You're doing a wonderful job. This morning, our topic, the title of the message is As for me and my house. As for me and my house. The title speaks to the mindset of everything we're going to talk about today. That my responsibility as a believer is to help the younger generations love the Lord and his church. Amen? That's my responsibility. If we're going to be a part of the church We have to have a passion, we have to have a conviction to help the younger generations love God and love his people. And it starts in the home. Starts, dads, husbands, with you. Starts with you. That we have this great obligation to teach our families to follow Serve God with everything they have and to love the church. But what are the consequences? What are the consequences if we don't? What are the consequences if we fail to teach the younger generations to love God and His church? I believe it's catastrophic. Go to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, we're going to look at 6 through 12. You can find it in your Bible, so follow along on the screen. It says, after Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allocated, at Timnasarah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. In the Old Testament, there's this succession of power. God raises up one mighty leader he passes on then god brings up another before joshua was a man named moses you may have heard of him wonderful godly passionate powerful leader that god used to do incredible things after moses went on joshua was appointed joshua did the very same thing was faithful to the lord passed on to this generation that he was among the the wonderful, mighty power of God and how faithful he was. But if you notice here in this passage, something happened. Joshua died. And in that space, when they were void of strong spiritual leadership, a whole generation seems like overnight abandoned God. Did y'all catch that? Listen, church. If one generation fails to make God a big deal, the generation that follows suffers the consequences. It happens that fast. This story scares me as a father to death. That my responsibility as the godly leader of my home is to teach my wife and my kids about the things of God. And if I fail, my children, their generation, their children, suffer the consequences. Happens like that. So as for me in my house, right, this mindset that that we all have this responsibility to teach the younger generations to follow the Lord. Men, husbands, fathers, I need you to look at me. I need you to look at me. What this story does is it teaches us that when there is a void in spiritual leadership, chaos follows. Did you hear that, husbands? Did you hear that, dads? Where there is a spiritual void, chaos follows. We have a tremendous responsibility to make sure that we are pointing the younger generations to God. If we don't, this story tells us how quickly they can fall totally away from God. It's a lot of responsibility, but not just, not just for husbands and fathers. This, this rests on the church. This rests on the church. All of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, we we all bear in this responsibility to to make sure that those younger generations see how good God is. Amen? We can all take part in it, whether or not we have people uh, living in our homes or not. You may say, Luke, I'm single or I'm a woman. Listen, if nobody is following you in your home, be faithful here. Teach the generations here to follow and serve the Lord. You can do it. We we all have that responsibility. So how do we set up the next generation? How do we set them up to love the church? How do we make sure that we do our job? Joshua 24, 14 through 15. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. That's the answer. You can underline that. You can highlight it. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? Listen to the words of Joshua, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The answer to that question, how do we make sure that the next generation is set up the very best that we can to serve and love the Lord and His church? The answer is this, we have to make God and the things of God a priority in the home. It's quiet in here. We have to make God and the things of God utmost priority within the home. We have to. We have to. So, husbands, fathers, moms, leaders of the house, can you make the bold statement? As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed, when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Moms and dads, It's our responsibility to make sure the things of God are on display for those God has entrusted to us all the time. That's what this passage is, is speaking of. The things of God should be on display in your life, in your heart, in your home, in your car, everywhere, all the time, so that our kids know that God is my God, that I love Him with everything that I have, that this house serves the Lord and no one else, that this house is going to love the Lord and love the things of the Lord. It's going to be of utmost priority to everything that we do. That's what this passage is speaking about. That's a huge responsibility. But if we want those that God has entrusted us, not just in our home, but here in the church, right, to follow the Lord, we've got to make him a big deal in our own life. Amen? He's got to be supreme in our life. He's got to be the one that controls our hearts. And listen, moms and dads, I know you know this about parenting, but we can only fake something so long, right? Until those little ones, they they grow up and they seem like they get brilliant overnight. Are you there? I'm there. And my parents, I'm like, "How how do you figure that out? Right? Listen, if your faith is something that is being... Faked right now, your your kids will see through it. They'll see right through it. Make sure that your faith is real. Our responsibility is to make God real for them. That our faith is so big, they can't help ignore what's going on in the world and trust God, amen? So how do do we teach our family to love God? God's church. How do we teach our kids how to love God's church? Psalm 145, 4 says this, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. It's our responsibility to pass it down. I want you to write this down It's the first point. Let them see you worship. This question, right? Or this, this mindset. How, how can I make sure that the ones in my home are going to see me love the Lord? They're going to follow Him. Let them see you worship. Let them see you worship. We're going to make this statement. Your children can only see you worship with believers if you are here in worship with believers. They, they can only see that if you make worship a priority, if you make being here a priority in your life. That's how they observe what's going on, is if you make this gathering a priority. We read it earlier in the worship portion. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The, the meeting, the, the gathering of God's people is a precious Thing. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about this building church. I'm not, we work here all the time. I'm here almost every day of the week. This place is falling apart. Like There's nothing special about this place. What makes this place special is the people that gather here. And your children, listen to me, your children need to see you passionate about worshiping with these people. They need to see it. They need to see mom and dad's heart ushered into worship with the gathering of believers. It's a powerful thing. The word of God says it's a great mystery. I I can't define it in in simple terms for us, but what happens here is precious, and your kids need to see it. They, They need to see mom and dad making this gathering a priority so that they will do the same one day. And let's just talk about the, the act of worship. I feel like I'm picking on dads, but, but dads, maybe you do a good job with words, teaching your kids, hey, God's good, I love him, he saved me, and, and I love him with all my heart. But dad, why during church when we're singing, you look like a knot on a log, right? Right? Dad, you say all these things, but we're in church. i look at you, and you look like you're ready to fight. Am I talking to anybody? We're not picking on you. We were singing this song in my house this last week. You know, kids go down these rabbit holes of songs, and you know the song, If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you love the Lord, then your worship will sure to show it. Moms, dads, listen to me. Your kids, they're watching you. They're watching you. They're watching you worship. They're they're watching how you interact here with believers. They're, They're watching to see how important this gathering is to you. And they will duplicate what they see not from me, from you. But I think it needs to be said that worshiping God is not confined just to Sunday morning gatherings, amen? We we talked about that, that, man, we, we we can worship him freely wherever we go. And I think it needs to be said this, that some of the greatest worship sessions that I've ever had with my kids take place in a Toyota Tundra on the way to school. Anybody know what that's about? Amen? Be an example to your kids. Show them that worship, worshiping God is a priority. He's worthy to be worshiped. Choose today in whom you will worship. The next thing I want you to write down is let them see you serve. Let them see you serve. We're going to look at James chapter 2, 14 and 16. He says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Moms and dads, leaders, those in the church, we must let our children see us serve the Lord. Don't just give him lip service. Let your kids see you serving the Lord. This morning before first service, Derek and Whitney Cox, they're they're over the coffee back there. They were were here early. They were working to get everything set up. And I look back there, and their little ones were following them around. Listen, church, that may seem simple, but what they are doing in that moment is pointing their kids that that God is, is worthy of my service. He's worthy of our time to wake up early in the chaos of life, to get to church early, to serve. Man, God is becoming real to those kids, seeing mom and dad serve. Are, 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 you, are you putting action to what you say? Are, are you showing them how to serve the Lord, that he's important, that his church is important? Several years ago, I was working with Pastor Todd as, as he was planning the church in Lakewood, Ohio, a suburb of, of Cleveland. And I'll never forget this summer. Pastor Todd was, uh, he had the church involved in a, in a meal ministry. And there would be this bus that served food and it would go to downtown Cleveland. You ever been to downtown Cleveland? Rough place. And so we, we, would, we would roll into this not-so-desirable part of town at, at, the, at, the, at the road, right, at the bottom of this uh, of government housing. And so we would go to this uh, particular place, and if I'm just being real, can I be honest and say I was a little scared? You can laugh at me. Old country boy from Arkansas, not used to seeing more than like 200 people gather at a time, going to this big city in a sketchy part of town, I was a little freaked out. And lo and behold, Pastor Todd rolls up. He jumps out of the car, and at the time, little Tate was four years old. He brought his little boy into one of the most dangerous places in the city to teach him how to serve the least of these. Stuck with me, church. He wasn't scared. I was. I was waiting for gunshots, you know what I mean? But Todd made up his mind that where I go to serve, my kids are going to see it. My kids are going to observe me serving the Lord so that their faith one day will become real to them because it was real to dad. Moms and dads, are your kids seeing you serve? It's really important to set that example so that their faith one day will become real because it's real to you. The next thing is, let them see you pray. Let them see you pray. Nothing shows and teaches our dependence and deep love for God quite like praying. If you want the younger generation to be fully dependent on God, you have to demonstrate to them that you are fully dependent on God that you desperately need him. How do we show that? Through our prayer life. Nothing's more humbling than for a a mom or a dad or a leader to kneel before a mighty God and say, I need your help. It shows your kids your deep dependence on the Lord. It shows them that the mom and dad don't always have the answers, that mom and dad don't always have it figured out, that I need help. Amen? Mom and dad, husbands, wives, we need help, and showing our kids that we pray teaches them dependence on God. It shows them that they, too, need him. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is right before Jesus was cruci- crucified, they, they, they went to the garden. He had all his 12 disciples there with him, and if you were to read the story, he, he takes three of the disciples and he goes a little further into the garden and he starts talking about how, how his heart was grieved, even to the point of death, right? He's, he's facing the cross the very next day and, and he's talking to his d- disciples. And he says, Hang on a moment. Scripture says that he went no more than a stone's throw away from them and prayed. We have this mindset that nobody saw Jesus, that nobody heard Jesus. If nobody heard Jesus, then how do we have the words in which he prayed? A stone's throw back then, I don't know how far they they threw. I researched it a lot. More than 60 feet. They they were in earshot. They could see Jesus. They could see him pray. What an example Christ set for them that the King of Kings even relied on God the Father. So mom and dad, let your kids see you pray. Have some discernment about it, sure. Don't air all those prayers out in front of them. I know the word of God says go in the closet, right, and and pray. But be an example for your children and pray. Side note, mom and dad, I don't know how you do uh, uh, prayer time, Bible time in your home. I pray that it's in your home every day. But let, let your children hear you pray for the church. If we're going to be raising up a generation that loves the church, then let them hear mom and dad pray for the church. I know we pray for grandmama, don't we? Oh, we pray for the bump knee that happened during the day. But pray for the church. Let let your kids hear you praying for what God loves. That's the church. Mom and dad, let them see you pray. This next one, let them see you give. Let them see you give. Luke chapter 12, 33 and 34. Some of you are thinking, I'm doing good, and then that one came around, right? Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Generosity teaches us and teaches our kids that the things of this world hold no value when compared to God and His kingdom. Amen? It shows our kids... That mom and dad are full of faith. It demonstrates to our kids that mom and dad give, not just here with, with, with offerings and, and tithes, but but mom and dad give to those in need, that mom and dad serve neighbors, that mom and dad do this. Mom and dad give them their time, their energy, their finances, that mom and dad give. Generously, when we demonstrate that to our kids, it's another way of demonstrating that our faith is real, that we trust God to provide. Where is this section found in Scripture? Jesus is just getting done talking about how God will provide. Then he goes on to say, Give generously, don't worry about anything. I've got it. If I can take care of the birds, I can take care of the flowers, I can certainly take care of you. So give generously. Let, let your kids see you trust the Lord in every aspect of your life. Yes, even your finances. I got convicted here recently as I was looking at this. I love online giving. Anybody? Like, just give a praise. Like, if, you, if you're just forgetful like I am, online giving is a blessing, is it not? Man, you just set that auto draft. Set it and forget it. Lord, here it is, right? Oh, it's a great thing. It's a blessing. But even in that blessing, mom and dad, we have got to be diligent to make sure our kids see us give. Pastor friend of mine, he 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 said this. Hey, whenever I go into the office and I get into that section and I and I pay, I, I get my kids in the room and say, "This is what we're doing. We're giving to the Lord." It's not the same as writing a check or or putting money in the, the plate, but times change, right? Technology is great, but mom and dad, listen. Let your kids see you give. Generosity builds faith. Let your kids see that. Let your kids see God come through in every way in your life. And as they grow up, They'll love the Lord. They'll serve the Lord. They'll worship the Lord. These are promises that we trust in Scripture. Raise up a child in the way they should go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. That's something that we trust in as parents, amen? Make sure if we're going to raise up a generation that loves the Lord and His church, That we make the commitment right now, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. Thank you for a series like this where we can elevate the church. Christ died for the church. Help us to do our part, God, as we point the next generation to follow after you, to love you with their whole heart, to serve you with everything they have, and to love your church. Help us, God, as leaders here at Holland Chapel, leaders in our homes, to make sure you are the priority. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We ask everything in his precious and holy name. Amen.